Well, as I said at the beginning of the service, we are at the celebration of the Feast of the Ascension. Ascension actually falls 40 days after Easter. So this, of course, being the Sunday after Ascension is 43 days since Easter. I don't know if it feels like 43 days since you celebrated Easter, but it has been. It feels like just sort of a, a blur to me over the last month, but then Jody and I are planning to the wedding of our third and final child, so that may have something to do with our blurriness. But here we are, the Feast of the Ascension. It's funny because in, uh, in modernism, a lot of modern scholars kind of scoff at the Ascension. You know, they talk about looking up, it's like, where is God? And, you know, and Jesus kind of being going to outer space or things like that, and they poke fun of it. But but in fact, the, the, the Lord is, is really clear of the importance of the ascension, and the biblical writers are as well. Our, our creeds talk about that he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. What the biblical witness shows is that it's not so important to figure out where Jesus is, distance-wise, but that he's at the right hand of the Father, that he's, that he's at the Father and that he's gone back to be with him. And, we're going to talk a little bit about why that's important this morning. I don't think it's that far away. As a matter of fact, if you look at the book of Acts, chapter 7, it's the first martyr of the church. Stephen, who's martyred, remember, and Paul, who's then called Saul of Tarsus, is holding the, the cloaks of the men who do, the, who do the, uh, the stoning of Stephen. It says that Stephen looked up, and then he looked into heaven, and he saw God the Father, and he saw Jesus the Son at the right hand of the Father. And then Stephen closed his eyes and went to sleep. I love the fact that when the biblical witness tells us about what death is like for a believer, it's simply going to sleep because the sting of death has been taken away. Ephesians 1, 20 and 23 talks about Jesus being at the right hand of the Father. Christ, when he was raised, him from the dead seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Jesus is at the Father's side. He is there alongside, and that denotes his dominion, his power, and his authority in our lives. The other aspect of the, the ascension I think we need to bear in mind, not trying to locate exactly where heaven is or where, where Jesus has gone to be, but to recognize that, that his ascension is about his authority, when he takes his place at the right hand of the Father, we are told he sits down. In the ancient world, a king, when he sat down, it's when all of his enemies had been vanquished. And he could rest. He could sit down and say, I am the victor. And so Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father because he is the victor. All power has been given to him. God has made him Lord of lords and king of kings. And, the creed tells us, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. King Jesus is rightly sitting on his throne. That's what we should think about when we think about the ascension. We should also think about the fact that Jesus doesn't go back the same as the way he came. Now he carries with him humanity. Which is why it's so important that we understand that Jesus was in fact, fully God and fully man. In his incarnation, Jesus takes on humanity. And he takes that humanity with him back to the Father. 
Just think about that. All the religions of the world, this idea of a separation between humanity and God, this distance that can't be close to. And even within Judaism in the Old Testament, we have this sense of the, the awe and the honor of God. The high priest is allowed to go one day a year into the temple and they tied a rope to his leg so that if he did something wrong or if he had any sin and he was struck dead, they could pull him out. That's a pretty awesome distancing kind of idea. And yet, Jesus takes his humanity back to the Father. And what that means is that our humanity can be in the presence of God because of the work of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our humanity is brought into the presence of God the Father by Jesus at his ascension. This is why it's so important that he returns to the Father, that he doesn't just hang out with us because he goes, as he says, to prepare a place for us that where he is, we may be also. Jesus accomplishes that in his ascension. It's important and it, it sort of begins to make sense. You go back to the Easter acclamation of the, of the angels, right? They say, this same Jesus who went into heaven will come again. The same Jesus that took upon us, himself our, our humanity in the incarnation. He'll bring that humanity to heaven and then he'll bring it back to be with us in the presence of the Lord our humanity the biblical theologians tell us that, that is brought into the Godhead that we're allowed as mere mortals human beings to enter into the relationship with God Father Son and Holy Spirit Amazing things. So don't get caught up on where heaven is or where Jesus ascended to. Even as I read the colic this morning, I, I thought there was a, a little bit of a hint of the sense that, that somehow Jesus has left us. And it's, it, the ascension is not so much about Jesus leaving us as what he's accomplishing in his ascension. In his return to the Father, to that place where he began when he purposely came into creation to bring about our redemption through the cross and resurrection. So what does that mean for us today? It means that Christ is present to us as our conquering king, as our perfect high priest. No longer does the rope have to be tied to the high priest's leg because Jesus is the, both the perfect high priest and also the perfect sacrifice. And he carries him, his humanity, his sacrifice for us into the perfect heavenly throne and offers it before the, before the Lord of, of glory that we might be redeemed. It also, the ascension, the biblical writers emphasize, and I think this is where John 17 becomes so powerful for us. Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father, sitting in glory, interceding for us. Paul puts it this way in Romans 8. Who can condemn us? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, the one who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Jesus is praying for us. Despite what we might be going through, the Lord is praying and interceding for us. 
Isn't there a sense in which sometimes you feel like you're going through things and Jesus is a million miles away up in heaven someplace and it's all by yourself. And that's a completely false idea. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, praying for us, just as he does in John 17. Hebrews writer says, we don't have a high priest unable to sympathize with our weakness. He's, he is in fact able to sympathize with all of our weakness. Therefore, we should draw to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and help in time of need. This is what the Lord, our Lord Jesus is doing. He is interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. In the first lesson this morning, we hear about the casting of lots for the two would-be replacement disciples, right? And Matthias gets the, gets the lot. He's the one who's selected. And we don't hear much about Matthias after that, right? And so a lot of times people go, well, maybe the church misspelled. Maybe, maybe they were supposed to wait for Paul. You ever heard that idea that maybe Paul was to be the, the 12th apostle and, and that they, they rushed ahead? Well, that would suggest that, that the Lord wasn't present to Peter and the others and the 120 that made that decision to select him. What is it that they say in Acts chapter 1, 15 and following? They say we need a, another witness to the resurrection. They needed another authoritative person who said, yes, we saw Jesus die and we saw him rise from the dead. And for 40 days he walked upon the earth. He interacted with people and we bear witness to him. And, and so Matthias did that. Even though Matthias doesn't get mentioned again in scripture, it doesn't mean Matthias failed. We don't hear about Bartholomew in scripture. We don't hear a lot about Philip. The Philip in Acts is not the Philip that was the disciple. It's the, it's the Philip that was the deacon in the early church. The Lord is present. That's why Peter feels the need to explain about Judas. It's like, well, did, did God mess up? I mean, Jesus picked Judas and Judas betrayed him. Did that catch God off guard? Not a bit. Judas was with the disciples, but he was opposed to Jesus. He never, he never fully embraced him. He, he turned away from him. As a matter of fact, he sold him out. Maybe you... Fear that you're going to be like Matthias, kind of a nobody, right, in the kingdom of God. Well, Matthias' name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Matthias bear, bore witness to the, to the resurrected Jesus. Matthias was not a nobody. Maybe you fear that you'll be like a Judas and fall away. Well, you probably no danger of that. Probably more danger for me to be a, a public pastor in the church to... to, to sell Jesus out for money or fame or reputation. But the Lord is with us. He's present to us. He's interceding for us. These things don't catch him off guard. He knows the troubles that we have. He understands the things and he is present to us there. The question is, in the midst of the next problem that you face this week in your life, Will you be conscious of the Lord Jesus being very near to you, interceding for you? Or will it seem as if he's left you to your own devices? The way we assume Matthias was selected from the disciples' own devices. I don't believe the Lord missed either of those things. 
I can't explain them all, but I'm so thankful that the Lord is, he's interceding for me. He's praying for me. The things that Jesus prays at the end of John 17 are hard to understand. Lord, how can we be one? We seem so divided as Christians right now. I, I, am, I am in this unique situation. I have a friend who's a very light-skinned black person. So light-skinned that, that white people think she's black excuse me, white people think she's white and black people think she's black. And she has the ability to sort of be a permeable boundary there. And so white people talk to her like they talk to other white people and black people talk to her as they talk to other black people. I kind of feel that way in a spiritual sense. I don't know what it is. I don't know, something about me or whatever. But the things I'm hearing about, I'm thinking, Lord, how in the world can your people ever be one? Because I hear them saying on this side things that they think I'm agreeing with. And I hear them saying on this side things they think I'm agreeing with. And I'm in this weird middle place and I'm saying, Lord, it looks like a terrible mess to me. And yet Jesus says, he prays, he intercedes and says, Lord, make them one. As you and the Father are one. Is I and you are one. I and you and you and me and them and us. And it's like, you know, John, boy, come on, straighten it out. Be a little clearer and plainer here. But, but, it, but we get the point. It's be one. Jesus isn't telling us to be one. He's praying that we would be one. He's calling us into that oneness. He's telling us that we're to be in the world but not of the world. Now there's a long sermon how do we be in the world and not of the world? How do we who were of the world, but now Jesus says we're not of the world, although we were from the world, supposed to love the world and not condemn the world and yet recognize the world is evil and that we need to be somehow distanced from it. How do we do that, Lord? Jesus is praying for us. He's interceding for us that we would understand in the slight nuances and the gray areas that we would understand and we would learn to do that to be salt and light in a dark world and yet love that dark world as God loves it and wants to see it redeemed these are the things the Lord is praying for us this is the way he is interceding for us Tish Warren is an author. She's a young Anglican female priest. Um, she's kind of one of the, the, the mouthpieces for young Anglicans these days, along with Esau Macaulay. And, and Trish has written a book called uh, The Liturgy, The Ordinary. Some of our ladies have read. She's read, read another book that I'm reading now. Don't ask me the title. I can't recall it. But, but she says this really poignant thing in there. She says, you know, thinking about suffering and pain, she says, you know, it's not so much that we need a God who can explain pain and suffering. We want that, but, but it really wouldn't help if we really got the full answer. What we really need is a God who comes beside us and walks with us in the pain and suffering. A God who knows where we are and meets us in that pain. That, that rings true for me. Pope Benedict. Yeah, you heard me right, Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict wrote a book about the life of Jesus. And in it, he, he describes the, the scene from Mark 6 where Jesus is up on the mountain and he's praying for the disciples. And he can see them struggling. And 
what they think is the boat sinking. And he goes to them on the water and gets in the boat and calms the storm. And Pope Benedict makes the reflection that we, we think God is so far away, but he's not. Our Lord is, is right there on the hill looking down on our little boats. And in an instant, he can be present to us. Do you know the Lord in that way? Do you know the life that he comes to give? Jesus says he shares the glory of God. This is not just a revelation about the nature and character of God, but it is God's very presence. Jesus comes to bring God's presence into our lives. Do you know that presence? Have you surrendered your life to him? If you said, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of trying to get all the answers, will you just come and be with me in this boat? Will you minister to me? And why can he do that? Because he died for you. He rose for you. And he has ascended to the throne for you. The next week we're going to talk about Pentecost and we're going to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit because not only is Jesus ascended and he's very close and can be interceding for us, but he also sends the helper, the third person of the Trinity to be present with us. We'll get to that next week. But for today, let's just meditate and rest in the ascended Lord Jesus who is very near. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.